his bike's running pole. First thing that changed here uh, for me, the drive uh, part, is that I don't put my seatbelt on and always with the window open. From the moment I hear the alarm, I have five seconds to stop, not in the middle of the street, to get out of the vehicle and to lay down on the ground. And sometimes the, the seat belt is that one second of difference between laying, laying on the ground and being uh, standing outside and getting all the, all the ricochet. Right. It's the quiet before the storm. And the, and the five seconds is because you're so close to Gaza? Yeah. And what is that distance? It's 800 meters. <laughs> wow. So you actually saw terrorists driving by in a pickup truck with yep. a mounted machine gun. Yep. I've seen videos in Starot of something like that. It might have been the same one. Hamas, Hezbollah, the West Bank, Iran, and the media. Israel's five-way war. Welcome to Ingrace's special On Location with Jim Scudder. Israel's survival depends on how they fight a multi-direction war. Today on this Ingrace special, we're going to take you all around Israel as we examine Israel's five-way war. We're driving to the Gaza area. This is one of those things that I feel like I have to do. I think it's important to come on this mission to Israel after seeing it on TV and interviewing people over the internet. I felt like I really need to come here, especially two months later, to make sure that the story that everybody has heard is kept alive. We're gonna be going into one of the affected communities where the terrorists came in and murdered people and did brutal, horrible things. I feel like this is so important that we get in there and we take a look and we see for ourselves what happened here in Israel so that we can say, never again. Yeah. So the rocket from there, over from Gaza, Gaza is there. Came down and, and smashed into there. Direct hit. Is that is that typically the damage that you would see if it hit the side of a building that's concrete, or are sometimes they go through? You yeah, know? it very depends on the angle and uh -huh. uh, on the material of the building. I see. But yeah. Okay, so what is that? All the circles in the sky. Ah, I believe it's a plane. I'm gonna try to get a shot of that. 
So this is one, like I told you, it was a direct hit, but they covered it. Oh, so, I see. Okay. see. So this is one. Okay, gotcha. Two, three. So were the these houses, area. were these rockets or were these people that... Rockets. Okay. Four here near the light post. Right here? Right so here. On that hit, okay. Yeah. Now... Now this damage isn't, isn't much, but you can see all the ricochet. Oh yeah. There and there. Oh yeah. So sure. if someone was standing here, right. would be dead. This is another one. They're in the corner, huh? Yeah. Wow, that's unreal. So indiscriminate. Yeah. And that's the sad thing is these rockets are coming down they have no idea who's, who they're gonna hit. Exactly. But it's this one. This building was hit really bad. Yeah. I came here the day uh, this building was hit. It was hit right there. Yeah, I don't think uh, we can see it from here. What did you see there? Oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, that's a big chunk. Huh? And you went inside, so inside is worse. It's crazy how it all exploded yeah. huh? in here. After we were filming uh, the bombed out building here in Starot, I got my first rocket alert here in Israel. And uh, if I didn't have Hillel here, I would be worried because he's like, no, that's up in the north. So it looks like we've had uh, something happen, either a rocket, it could be, it says, it says hostile aircraft intrusion, but he said it could be a rocket, it could be a drone, and there's more. That's the, same, that's the same area right there. So it looks like there's some activity happening with Hezbollah right now. Yep. Okay, we continue to pray for this country. So we had a rocket hit right here. So pan down and, and catch this. And it um, it hit here and it ricocheted up onto this building. And you said that there were two people. Two people. One was a bus driver and um, he was laying flat. And there was a soldier that was kneeling down and the soldier died because the, uh, the shrapnel hit her yeah. and killed her. The one laying down, it missed him because it was, you know, but you can see how low it hit on that building. Yeah. And this was all around that same, that same time, the, the same, same day. Time. Yeah. Hmm. Unbelievable. Is that a piece? Yep. These are shrapnel. So do they have shrapnel as part of this rocket? Yeah. It's, it's designed. The, the, the rocket, they shoot it to the rod, it doesn't explode. It just shatter, shatters, and uh, it just shoot ricochet all over.
When these rockets hit, the shrapnel flies everywhere, and they're designed to do that. They're designed really not to explode, but to impact and shatter, and the shrapnel is what takes people out. Uh, sitting right here, it looked like it hit somewhere and fell down. I just picked it up, and uh, this is a piece of terror. This is a piece of Hamas rocket. And I have that right here. Uh, this is a piece of shrapnel that on October 7th was used to try to kill and maim and injure. Uh, who knows who? They don't know who they're shooting at when they do this. And by the way, let me just tell you this. It's wrote and other places. This has been happening for years. Uh, they pulled out. When they say occupied, they're, they're in occupied, whatever, illegally occupied, they pulled out of Gaza. And so they can't say that. And But they're still firing. This is a piece of metal that was used to try to annihilate the Jewish people. That's Hamas's ideology. But there's people today and organizations today that refuse to condemn Hamas. Now you say, Pastor Scudder, this is kind of a heavy message for a Christmas message. Well, you're right. You're right. I also filmed at a bus stop that eight elderly Jewish people were mowed down by the terrorists on October 7th. This is a piece of glass from that bus stop. I'm going to keep these items in my office to remember the terror and the spiritual darkness of Hamas and those that oppose Israel and the Jewish people. And this is the time to stand with your Jewish friends, your Jewish neighbors. Nobody else is. Either they're scared, they, they support Israel, but they're scared and they're staying silent, or they don't support Israel. The only Jewish homeland. And, and they've had it, by the way, for thousands of years. When you dig in Israel, what do you find? Jewish artifacts to say that they're there, they're, they're uh, colonizing or they're uh, occupying. It's, it's not true. When the media and the media is, is biased against Israel, part of this in Grace Special, I hope you watch it today as it comes out. It's uh, a lot of, a couple reporters. It, one of it is Gil Hoffman. He's the uh, guy that broke the story that Gaza freelance photojournalist went into Israel during the attack. You heard that news report a week ago or so. He's the one that broke that and he spoke to in Grace. By the way, he's a Chicago guy, and that's good. He likes the Cubs, and that's really good. But uh, I'm going to keep these items because these will be tangible things that will help me remember uh, my trip and also uh, to remember to pray, always pray hard for the Jewish people and, and do things, say things. We can't be afraid. Well, I'm going to ask this question today. Can Christmas be canceled? Can Christmas be canceled? I read an article, and it was a, a crazy article. Bethlehem cancels Christmas. I'm thinking, how is this possible? Bethlehem cancels Christmas. Now, Bethlehem is a Palestinian area. It is an area that has, uh, it had a large Christian population. There's still a few, but most Christians have fled Bethlehem. Isn't that sad? And because of their fear, they have fear or some others, it's not fear of, um, of 
repercussions. For some, it's actually they want to support Hamas. They have decided to cancel the, the, the lights and the decorations and some of the festivities of Christmas. And it's hard to believe that this is happening in our day after we've seen the wickedness and we've seen the awfulness of Hamas. This is, this is the time when Christmas light should be turned up. This is the time when we should be celebrating more and more the Prince of Peace who came, who gave his life for the world. We can't cancel Christmas. And by the way, Christmas can't be canceled. And so I wanted to use that news story, that headline, in uh, one of the quotes in the article, the annual Christmas display in Bethlehem has been canceled by Palestinian authorities in honor of Hamas martyrs. Let's not call them martyrs. Let's call them barbaric demons, terrorists. The BBC can't even call them terrorists. They call them freedom fighters. So what happened in Israel is sad, and that's why we were there all week filming for In Grace. But for the Christian community to not celebrate Christmas as usual because they want to show solidarity with basically the Hamas terrorists is unbelievable. And I, wanted, I thought about it, though. I thought about the first Christmas, and I thought about that time when the time when Mary and Joseph, Mary found out she was expecting, that had to be a fearful time. As a matter of fact, it says it in Luke 1 when, when Gabriel came and told Mary that she was highly favored and she was going to have the, the child, the Messiah, the promised one. It says that she was troubled. I, I submit to you that in the midst of sadness and fear, and doubt and pain. Christmas is the antidote, the answer to that. And she was troubled because, who is this? What is this? What is happening? And then she had to be also troubled, and Joseph too, when he knew that she was with child and he knew he hadn't had relations with her, that that's basically an impossibility. Uh, and, she, and he had first suspected her that she was unfaithful. And so there's all that tension and all that fear and all that a little bit of mistrust. And then the angel appears to Joseph and tells him, it's okay, the child that she has is of the Holy Ghost. But then they had to also, in Luke 2, it says, uh, it came to pass after those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. This is a reminder to me that Israel was occupied by a, a brutal uh, Gentile force the Romans. And the Romans and the Caesar uh, decides to have a census and all the world that was under their domination, which was basically all the world, but that they would all have to be taxed and have to be counted. And, and so not only was there the, the, the fear and, and the worry of her having a child, people wondering has she, has she sinned? Has she been unfaithful? All of this, but they also have to worry about the, the oppression and, and the brutality of Rome. On top of all that, now in verse 4 of Luke 2, they have to go from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth, that's where they lived, into Judea. So you have different regions in Israel. The Galilee is the northern region. The next region down is Samaria. 
the next region down is Judea. And Judea is where Jerusalem is. Just south of Jerusalem, just a few miles, is where Joseph was born. The city of David, Bethlehem. And so they had to go up from the Galilee, out of Nazareth, into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, to be taxed with Mary's espoused wife, being great with child. Not only is she pregnant, but she's greatly pregnant. This is no time to travel four days by foot, dusty, dangerous conditions, about a hundred miles. Is this a, uh, is this a peaceful time? Is this a, a joyful time? Is this a hopeful time? All of these things are piling up in our Christmas story. And not only that, as they neared the destination, I wonder if they thought about one of their ancestors nearing the destination, Rachel. Rachel, great with child, in travail, gave birth to her son. She said, call him Benoni. And she died. Jacob said, no, her name will be His name will be Benjamin, son of my right hand, not son of my sorrow. And as they pass by, I wonder if they thought about Jeremiah's words. Jeremiah 31, 15, thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard out of Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children. I wonder if Mary and Joseph thought of that. Certainly Mary, as she's great with child, passing the same place that Rachel was buried going into Bethlehem. And Jeremiah was speaking of two things. One, the the mothers of Israel. As Assyria came in and took the northern ten tribes captive, the mothers of Israel wept as their sons were led away captive. Does that sound familiar? But it was also a prediction of a genocide of Jews. Because in Matthew 2, in verse 16, the Magi came from the east. They had been watching. Probably Daniel taught them to watch for the star that will rise in Israel. And they finally saw this unusual item in the sky, and they followed it, and it brought them to Jerusalem. And they figured this must be, they knew it would be the the ruler of Israel, so why don't we go to the capital of Israel, Jerusalem? And by the way, as we were in Jerusalem, I love being there. And as I sat there, uh, TBN Israel has a studio. It's an outdoor studio, and behind us is the Temple Mount. Everyone thinks it's fake, or it's green screen. It's that's the, we're outside, and that's the actual temple. And every guest as, that I had, I had four guests that I filmed there. We we did seven interviews total. The four guests that I filmed there, one was. Gil Hoffman, he's with um, Honest Reporting, uh, Josh Weinstein with Israel Allies Foundation, General Amir Avivi with Israel's Defense and Security Forum, and uh, who was the fourth one? Somebody remind me. Chuck. Oh, that was Daniel. Daniel went with us. Uh, Chuck Holton, uh, a freelance war reporter, which I've been watching lately on uh, 
on the internet and he's fantastic. So I got him on there. And so every guest, as we were sitting there, just was amazed, almost stunned looking at this beautiful city. And it's the center. It's the focal point of the world. And it's where our savior died and rose again, ascended and is coming back. And so every time I'm there, I'm thrilled. But the wise men, the, the Magi came to Jerusalem and they said, you know, where, uh, where is this king? And, and, and it really worried Herod. So uh, Herod asked his scholars, where is this prophecy? And they told him Bethlehem. And that's right out of Micah, by the way. And the Bible predicted all of these things. If you're looking for the Messiah, if you're looking for the Savior, not of just the Jews, but of all people, the prophets gave you lots of clues. If you'll just read them. All of my Jewish friends are so worried because their rabbis told them, you can, you can be friendly with Christians, but don't let them convert you. Don't let them. And, and they've said that. I don't think I've ever said to any of you, as you're being friends with Jewish people, or going to a Shabbat dinner or whatever, I've never told you, be careful about them converting you. But if Jesus is the Messiah, as the Bible says, then we better tell them about this. And it's not about converting. It's not about them becoming Christians. It's about them finding their Messiah, their Savior. And so the, the Magi went to Bethlehem, as Herod told them to, but Herod said, come back and tell me. And they didn't because they were warned and they went a different way. And Herod in Matthew 2, 16, saw that he was mocked and issued a declaration to kill the children in Bethlehem. It's a genocide, isn't it? And so we have this reoccurring theme over and over, a demonic attempt to annihilate the Jews. Why? Why? You have all these anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Folks, be smart about that. Don't believe stuff. They say this or they say that. These things have been around for centuries. These are not true. Uh, they control this or that or, you know, all of that nonsense. Don't buy into that. There's a reason that all of those anti-Semitic tropes are out there. The reason is Satan hates Israel. Why? Because they brought us the scriptures and they brought us the savior. There's a spiritual battle. There's a battle of light and darkness going on today. And you have a chance to stand up and shine the light, to reflect the light, to not cancel Christmas, but to turn it up a little bit. And so Christmas was full of sadness. The whole point of Christmas was to bring light to defeat this darkness once and for all. And that should be celebrated every year, no matter what. So just as Bethlehem is canceling Christmas, there's a town near London, and I was just in London yesterday transferring flights to, it, to home. And there's a town or a borough in the east part of London, Havering, that they have another headline. In their headline, they didn't want to be outdone by Bethlehem, so they decided to cancel Hanukkah. 
it's um, the Havering Borough Council in East London said it believes it would be unwise for the nine branch candelabrum to be lit on the property. They always have been doing this, by the way, and they have a Jewish community. It's, it's like 0.5% of the population of that town, but there's many more um, Muslims there now. But they decided that it would put residents at risk and lead to vandalism and inflaming tensions within the community. They plan to hold a temporary installation event for the start of the Festival of Lights, which, by the way, starts Thursday. And we are purchasing a menorah, an outdoor menorah, a big one, to put on the road this year. And you'll see that because we want to stand with Jewish people. And by the way, I'll explain this more in a second, but Hanukkah is not the Jewish Christmas. It is a, Hanukkah means dedication. The word, Hebrew word Hanukkah means dedication. By the way, there's that in there. We have a hard time. I have a hard time saying that. So we say Hanukkah. But um, it's, it's a beautiful festival. And it's, it's a festival that Jesus observed as the, the temple was rededicated after the wicked king Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated it by slaughtering a pig on the altar, murdering a million Jews. And they revolted against that, Maccabeans, and they took over Jerusalem. They purified the temple and they didn't have enough olive oil to last the, uh, the entire time that they needed to last. They had one day's worth. And they said, well, let's just light it and we'll keep looking around and see if we can find more holy olive oil. It lasted eight days. That's Hanukkah. And it's a beautiful thing because it's light. It's light. And to cancel Hanukkah, to cancel Christmas, Christmas is about light and lights. And this room is going to be full of lights in the next few weeks as we have hundreds of people that will be able to see and hear the story of Christmas, the story of the gospel, the story of salvation, the light of the world coming. And Hanukkah is about light. And Christmas is about light. I'm going to play for you another video that we filmed on top of a small building at this ambulance station. By the way, this is really interesting. The ambulance that we got in, they had, I don't know, probably a dozen ambulances at that station. It was the only ambulance station for the whole city of Starot. And I think they covered other areas, these other areas that were affected by the terrorism. So this would have been a major uh, place for Hamas to hit. Somehow they they missed it. There's a, a, a circle and they, they drove right by that circle. If they'd turned right, they could have attacked the ambulance station, but they didn't. They never attacked that station. They could have, because that's where a lot of people were being treated. But the ambulance we get in, even, all the ambulances in Israel are donated. And the donation of that ambulance was from a family in Chicago. Couldn't believe it. I took a picture and I sent it to our Jewish friends. And, uh, and then... The, there's a big plaque on the ambulance station itself. And it was a donation from uh, a family or an organization in Skokie. So I'm like, all these connections with our area and our friends here is just wonderful. I don't know where I was. Oh, on top of that was a, a menorah that was ready for Hanukkah. And they had built it out of 
Hamas rockets. And I talked to Hillel, my ambulance or paramedic friend, and I want to show you that video. In the middle of the war, with all of these family members involved, there's still life goes on. And you just uh, went to a wedding. My niece got married. Mm. And of course, they invite all their uh, peers, I mean, which is my kids and so on. Mm -hmm. So you see, that's part of the young adults. I mean, all of them are soldiers. So they said, you know what, without a face, yeah. I mean, all their guns are with them. Yeah. Um, and my son with that's his son. As well, right now, while oh. we're speaking, my wife wakes up and need to bring him back to the base. We put our trust in things that look so big, but can be in one moment very empty. And for me, it reminded Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 22 to 24, where God says, you put your trust in your money, in your strength, and in your wisdom. Guess what? I'm going to take them all together. It's a spiritual awakening. Absolutely. So as you went out and as you were starting to see all of the civilians, how hard was that to see? Yeah, I think until today it was uh, working uh, automatically. Uh, I didn't even start to uh, process uh, what happened. Hmm. I just need to do my job. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to feel. I think it's so amazing that you have uh, combined the Hamas rocket, which is such a dark and terrible indiscriminate weapon that's falling on there's a playground right here you know it can fall on any of these places contrasting that with light and goodness and i think that's the battle that went on here that's is also, the battle of uh, light and dark the meaning uh, of hanukkah which is the triumph of the light uh, on the darkness the triumph of the light over the darkness and just across the street and all over starot were these beautiful playgrounds every playground had a bomb shelter they had five seconds to get their children into those bomb shelters. And again, this is going on for years. I couldn't think of a, a, a better picture of wickedness than these Hamas rockets falling on these playgrounds, uh, uh, terrorizing. And you say, well, it's not really going to kill anybody. Okay, it obviously does. Uh, we were standing there. The piece that came from this killed somebody because she didn't get low enough. You have to get flat unless you're in a bomb shelter. Five seconds. That's the way they live their life. That's evil. That's wicked. That's dark. But there's light. And every time you light a candle, every time you turn on a light, it dispels the darkness. The darkness has to flee. There's no way that darkness can overcome the light. So let me read you a couple things about what the Bible says Yeshua Jesus uh, said uh, relating to light. Now, I already mentioned to you in John 10, where Jesus in verse 22 uh, went and he, he observed every feast. He observed every law. He kept every law. The first human in all of human history. I know a lot of really, really good people. When I was filming with one of my guests, they, um, they had a lunch and they uh, we had per catered some sandwiches and, and, and he checked to make sure that it was from a kosher a sandwich place, which was fine. And it was, and he ate and he had first to wash his hands and not uh, in, in a more of a, a religious way. And then he also had, he also at the end, thank God. 
and prayer. And, and, and we have a lot of people in our world that are very careful about trying to keep laws. But if you're honest, you'll, you'll realize that you've broken at least one. Even really, really good people, we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. So that's, that's darkness, right? We are children of darkness. When we come into this world, we're, we come into a dark world. But then we need light. We need to, to come into the world and to, to, to realize our, our depravity and realize our, our needs. And we, we try to keep the law and we try to do right and we try to do good, but we've, we've all sinned. We've all broken one, at least one, <laughs> hundreds, uh, and we're guilty of the entire law. But Jesus came and he kept the law. He attended this feast, it says, the Feast of Dedication. That is, again, the word Hanukkah in Hebrew. And it was winter. Isn't that interesting? It is a festival that they celebrate this time of year. And then um, earlier in John 9, Jesus several times declared himself to be what? The light of the world. Look at John 9, 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Earlier, as he was attending the Feast of Tabernacles, which also featured the light of the menorah, in John 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. By the way, when he said, I am, seven statements of I am, I am the light of the world was one of them. The words I am were powerful and significant. And if you know your Bible, you know why. Because Moses asked God his name and God said, I am that I am. That's a name of God that transcends time. Aren't you glad God transcends time? God knows the future. God has promised to protect us. And even if something bad had happened more than just losing my voice, um, God is, God is in charge. As a believer, that's a wonderful thought that God is in charge and he loves me and he's not going to let anything happen to me that's outside of his will. You know, my voice, as you heard in that last clip, that was filmed Thursday. Everything was fine. Friday I woke up, we're done filming. The voice is gone. God wanted Karen to be able to speak a little bit <laughs> when I got home. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 1, in the beginning was the word, the Logos. If you want to know God, if you want to know everything about God, know Jesus. He is the Logos. He's the thought. What is a word? A word is our, our thoughts and expressions. Our word conveys our, 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 our heart. And God the Father wanted to convey his heart to the world. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. That's all through the Old Testament, by the way, the Hebrew Scriptures. In the beginning was the Logos, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Not only is he the Savior, but he's also the Creator. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was what? light of men. And the light shined in the darkness. The darkness comprehended it not. The darkness can never overtake the light. So keep the light on. Don't cancel Christmas. Don't cancel Hanukkah. Let us show 
the light of Christ to our friends, to our neighbors, to our Jewish friends. Let us show the light of Jesus, the Messiah, the one that has saved us and keeps us and gives us joy in the midst of hard times. Help us to be the light, to show the light of Christ. Christmas is all about light. You have lights on your houses, in your houses, in your yards, on your tree. As we celebrate Christmas Eve here at Quentin Road, we're going to have hundreds of you holding candles, which makes the fire department very nervous. But it's a beautiful, beautiful thing because it lights up the room with candlelight and the darkness cannot ever take over the light. Light at Christmas is a beautiful part of the season and it should be. When the angels sang, it talked about one angel having light. Think about the choirs of angels. I'll let you read Luke 2, 8 through 14 on your own. But there was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God. In the Can you imagine the light of the angelic choir? How about the light of the star of Bethlehem? You cannot ever, ever overcome darkness if you have light. Light is an important part of the Christmas story. And this is a piece of darkness. Jesus can overcome all darkness. This is another piece of darkness. We celebrated Crystal Knocked here just a few weeks ago. We didn't celebrate it. We remembered it. The night of broken glass in, in uh, Europe, in Germany. Another piece of broken glass as someone was trying to kill Jewish people. Why were the terrorists trying to kill the elderly eight people at that bus stop? Because they were Jewish. What a crime. What a crime. They were Jewish. Rockets falling on children in playgrounds. Why? Because they're Jewish. We need to love the Jewish people. Even if the church did replace Israel, which we did not. Even if we did, why wouldn't we love the family of Jesus? Why wouldn't we love them? Oh, I don't know why I'm so burdened about all of this, but I am. And and I'm so thankful that I was there, that I went to Israel for you. And I know that you were praying for me. Any of you thought I was pretty stupid to do it. But um, I really felt safe. If, if Listen, if you think it's dangerous in Israel, have you been to Chicago? Have you been to Chicago? I'm not joking. I'm serious. Have you been to Chicago? There was a, there was a, a, a terrorist shooting in Jerusalem. We were interviewing Pastor Menno. You all know Pastor Menno Kalisher, uh, just a delightful pastor. He was talking about his niece's wedding that he had been to the day before. And you saw the picture of the wedding party and they all had their guns uh, slinged over. Like what a wedding that would be, you know? But uh, as we finished filming him, that was, we started the interview at seven in the morning on Thursday. Uh, we drove from there to Starot. And to get from where we were filming, which was an overlook of the temple, um, it's called the Haas uh, Promenade, to get to Highway 1 that takes you down along toward the coast. Um, sometime in that drive of ours, there was a, a terrorist shooting in that same vicinity in Jerusalem that four died, four Jewish people died, the two terrorists died. These were two brothers from East Jerusalem. They're surrounded by people that want to kill them. So we need to, we're not against Palestinians, but we're against any person that hates the Jewish people. We really are. They need, they need Jesus more than anybody in the world. 
but everybody needs Jesus, everybody. And if you don't know him, if the gospel is really simple, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah says that there's no one that is sinless. We are all guilty. The Bible says in the Hebrew scriptures that the best we can offer God is nothing but filthy rags. Folks, God, if we want to say, here, let me give you something for my salvation. Say, here, save me. Here's my filthy rags. What a silly, stupid thing that is to do. Religion will not save you. Keep Trying to keep the law will not save you. Why? Because you've already broken it. You, you've already broken it. If you're honest, you've broken it. If you're not honest, you lied. You're broke. You've broken it. We've all lied. We've all stolen. We've all lusted. We've all done things that are wrong. And Jesus came and he didn't do any of those things. He did it right every time. He fulfilled the law. He fulfilled all the prophets. That's amazing to me because there's dozens and dozens of prophecies pointing to the Messiah when he would come, how he would come. And Jesus fulfilled every one of those. So to me, it's a no-brainer. He is who he said he was. The big proof to me is he rose again. He rose again. He's alive. He's changed my life. He's not only saved me from hell to heaven, but he's given me everlasting life. And now I have someone to, to guide me through life and I don't have to fear. I don't have to worry about stuff. But uh, that's the gospel is Jesus came. He died on a cross. It wasn't the Jews that killed Jesus. It really wasn't even the Romans that killed Jesus. Do you think the Jews or the Romans could have killed him if he didn't want to be dead? If he's God, if he's all powerful God? No, he get, just like Isaac, Isaac was a, people think he was a little kid. Isaac was probably a strong teenager. And he said, where's the sacrifice? And his dad said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. And he did. Isaac was a willing participant of this. I'm sure he was thinking his dad's crazy as his dad's coming down with a knife and he's the sacrifice. God stops Abraham. Jesus was a willing sacrifice. and God allowed his son to die. You cannot doubt that God loves you because of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for our sins. But he didn't stay dead. For in three days, he rose again and he wants to save you. The Bible says that we're all sinners. Let me illustrate this way. Let this hand represent all of us. This is all of humanity. This is you. This is me. This is sin. We've all sinned. Jesus had no sin. He was made sin for us. When he died on the cross, he bore our sins. He died and rose again, paying for our sins. And now he wants to save you. What does he ask you to do? Be religious, be better, stop doing this, start doing this. No, he says, trust me, believe in me, put your faith in me. And when you do, look what happens. You're in the hand of God and you're a child of God and that will never change. And now you have someone with you that will walk with you and guide you and help you and protect you and, and bring you all the way to heaven. I don't worry about death anymore because as a young person, I put my faith in Jesus as my savior. And you can do that too. If you've never done that, let me invite you to do that today. I hope that what's happening in this world is waking you up to the seriousness of the battle of light and darkness. But the light came, his name is Jesus, and he wants to save you and fill your life with light. Christmas can't be canceled. Hanukkah can't be canceled. Jesus, the light of the world came to save you. And one day, all darkness will be gone. There won't be any more of this. Until that day, let's serve him.
not to be saved. We don't save him to be saved or to get saved. We don't save him to stay saved. We, we, we serve him, rather, to, uh, to show that we are saved, okay? So put your faith in Jesus. Believe in him. Trust in him. Not religion, not Judaism or Christianity. Put your faith in Jesus himself. And when you do that, the Bible says that you're saved forever. And that's the good news.